And we are live. Welcome, folks, to today's episode of the Survival Podcast. This is episode 3,103 of the Survival Podcast. Today's going to be kind of a deep one. I think it's going to push everybody, hopefully, if I do it right, into some soul searching. We are going to talk about something I have been reluctant to talk about since it happened, because as I expected, Everything that we thought we knew changed and then changed again and then changed again and probably will change over the weekend. Of course, I'm talking about the Uvalde, uh, Texas, uh, school shooting. And there's some real misinformation out about it. And, uh, I've tried to correct that on social media at least, uh, involving putting pictures of a person online. We'll, we'll get to it when we get there that, uh, has absolutely nothing to do with this and claiming it's the guy that was the shooter. There's typical shit like that happens all the time. And I'm going to throw out some challenges today about how do we fix this? Because right now what I see is a shouting match, a shouting match. And I I become guilty of it myself because just to be blunt, I mean, the shirt I'm wearing today, for those that are on the live feed, it says, give me liberty. It's got a picture of an AR and the American flag and at the bottom, but it says, or I'll get it myself. The idea that you're going to disarm the American people is a non-starter. It's not going to happen. And there are a lot of small-brained individuals that don't understand that what they're calling for is a civil war. And it won't be some proxy war in some foreign land that you don't have to worry about that somebody will fight on your behalf. But I don't want to go there today. We have a problem. I want to talk about legitimate ways we can fix it, and I want to teach you something, if you've never been part of something like it before, about how you come up with ideas, and you do it by not shouting people down, even if you think their idea is stupid, and we'll get to that. But I'm also going to talk today about a mental illness on our side. Solutions that have been proposed that I think are are a sign of a mental illness by the right, the freedom lovers, my patriots, etc., I mean, absolute sickness. And I'm going to go into a sickness that I saw a video of children in Ukraine pretending to be soldiers that made me literally sick to my stomach. And I want to talk about how a lot of this stuff is related. And we're going to talk about something that kind of breaks out of that a little bit today, but I don't know that it does. What happens when you make something free? What happens when you make something even that can be given for free? What happens when you make it free? Does it get devalued? And has that led to the devaluing of many things in our society that have created a lot of these problems? And I'm going to ask, can we as gun owners come up with our own solution to not letting people who we all agree probably shouldn't have a gun at least easily acquire one or acquire one unknown from the people that are best suited to, like, say, hey, dude, do we need to talk? Obviously, the government can't control that system. And when I when I give you an idea, I'll probably get shouted at by my own people. It's just gun grabber talk. No, 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 no. 
And we're going to tie that into the whole idea about how we get to solutions by not shouting at people. And how I used to do it in a boardroom when it was a solution for my company. And it requires patience, an open mind, and a willingness to communicate, which cannot occur when people are screaming at each other. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about how that relates to a parallel economy, something we talk about so much in our space. But I'm going to ask a question. Are we ever going to really build a parallel economy? Are we ever going to really build our, build our own systems of governance? Or are we just spouting shit so that we can say, what I really want to do is cling to a failed system? And I think all of us can be guilty of that at times, including me. And I'm going to end with some ideas on changing some formats in the show that I really, really, really want your feedback on. Uh, since we're going to be deep, though, I also want to like remind you guys that uh, we do have sponsors of this show, and we are a solutions-oriented show. And even though we're going to talk about some really hard things today, we're going to angle it towards solutions. And one of the solutions to our problems in the world is energy. Is from it comes from an energy standpoint is heating. Heating is the biggest sink of energy that we have. We spend most of the energy that we generate from all sources for society today to do two, two, two things, heat interiors and cool interiors. Cooling interiors is a lot harder than heating. There's really great ways to heat. And Paul Wheaton uh, has done probably more work with rocket mass heaters, rocket stoves, et cetera, than anybody else. He has a new Kickstarter out. I'm going to drop into the uh, live chat right now. Uh, the link where you can go to his Kickstarter if you want to. It's only running for four more hours as of right now, and it ends. A lot of really great stuff that comes along with backing it. Uh, you could back it for as little as a buck and get about $100 worth of stuff. So check it out. Again, it's called Free Heat, and the bit.ly link that I created to make it easy for you guys, bit.ly forward slash free hyphen heat. By the time you're listening to this in the audio, it might have already closed, but I've put it out many times this week. So Paul is our sponsor today. Um, hopefully that bodes well considering what we're about to dive into. Paul's a pretty optimistic guy. So I want to talk about, uh, Uvalde, this little border town, sleepy little town in, in Texas where this horrible shooting happened that took so many young lives and injured a ton more. And when I decided I was going to talk about this yesterday, my original plan was to get news footage and show you clips and videos and things like that. And I realized like, all this shit's been circulating over and over again. We've all seen it, and it's not going to change how we feel about this or what we do about this. But I want to kind of talk about how we ended up here and how much misinformation was distributed by the people that claim to be concerned about getting information correct, i.e. journalists, over a few days. So when I first heard about this, my understanding of what happened is this kid shot his grandmother, drove to the school, got in a wreck, shot at the cops. The cops shot at him. He went into the school, started killing kids in one room, but he barricaded himself in. In a relatively short period of time, this like, and this is the, this is the, I never believed this part, right? But this was the media claimed. The, the special border tactical, border patrol tactical team was on site quickly and the Navy SEALs of the border patrol went in and, and shot this kid. And the guy that did it was a hero. It's not all wrong, but most of it's wrong. Most of it's wrong. So this kid did shoot his grandmother. He did get in a truck. He did wreck it. He did get out of it. 
He did fire multiple shots outside of the school. There was a lot of time to respond. There was an armed school resource officer. I'm not going to say what he did or didn't do because, well, we don't know. Nobody's named him. Nobody said where he was. I haven't found any information, but the, the school did have an armed resource officer who, who didn't stop this. We do know that. This kid went into the school, reportedly locked the door. This is one of the excuses the cops used for not going in. They were waiting for a key. Now, I have a problem with this. I'm pretty sure that if I locked my door, the cops would just take a battering ram and hammer through the door. And I'm going to give some mitigation on my criticism of the police here in this. I won't give them an out, but I'll give some mitigation. Because if I don't, somebody's going to shriek at me, and they're going to be right when they do. But then the police got there, and for at least 40 minutes, if not more. And we're in, by the time that's up, we're into an hour of this incident. They surrounded the area. They refused to let anybody else go in, and they themselves did not go in, and they waited for this tactical team to come from Border Patrol. And so for more than 40 minutes, an armed young man, clearly mentally sick, shot as many people as he chose to shoot with no impedance whatsoever from the people that you think are sworn to uphold and law and protect you. The only people the police put their hands on, the only people the police handcuffed during that period of time were parents who were desperately trying to get in to save their children because they felt outgunned so they didn't go in. Again, I'm going to give some mitigation to this if you're shrieking right now in your head. Give me time. I'll get there. I'm going to try to be fair with this. They actually handcuffed one woman, and when they finally unhandcuffed her, best I can tell, this story checks out as valid. She jumped a fence, went and got her kids out. Now, that right there tells me that these police, even if they had not gone all the way in to engage, could have went in, stacked, and probed, and gotten plenty of children out of there and out of harm's way because you because you didn't know what was going to eventually happen was going to occur. That's the thing about these situations. You can't say, oh, the tag team will come and end this, and he's going to be confined to this one. You don't know that. You don't know that while they were letting this go on, he might not have killed everybody in that room, opened the door, and just started walking through the school. and kill. You don't know. You can't wait. But they waited. And they prevented parents likely, I'm not going to say, because people are saying, there were armed parents. You don't know that. You don't know that. But likely, given this is the state of Texas and you're talking about a rural border community, likely there were armed parents willing to risk their life to go in and try to save their kids, and the cops prevented that. The cops put a tremendous amount of effort to keeping people who were willing to risk themselves to try to save others from doing it. And they put no freaking effort, and I'm trying not to get amped here, into going in themselves. They waited. And some people in the chat are calling them pussies. And I want to say on some level, yes. Yes. Yes, you might have got shot. You don't want to get shot at? Don't be a fucking cop. It's amazing how brave these people are when they're beaten up in an unarmed person they drag out of a car because he had, you know, a, a small amount of drugs on him or something and dared to resist them grabbing him by the neck like nobody has a right to resist being grabbed by the fucking neck. It's amazing how brave 
these guys are when they know they have overwhelming force. There is a mitigation here, though. Do I get more children killed by going in? And if I let these parents go in, does it make everything worse? Do I give the shooter more hostages? Is there only one shooter? Is there only one shooter? There's a lot of things you don't know. But I'm going to tell you what I'm doing if I'm an officer in this situation. Take your orders. Stick them up your fucking ass, chief. I'm going who's coming with me. And we're stacking and racking and we're going in and we're going to try to save people. And what we're doing as we're going in and probing and looking for the shooter, we are evacuating the fuck out of everybody we can because that's what fucking men do in this situation. Where was the school resource officer? I have no idea. I won't say a damn word about him because I don't know. And we need to learn to shut our mouths when we don't know things. We do know now that more than a dozen armed fucking officers stood there with their thumbs up their fucking asses. And they can lay back on, I was following orders. Fuck you. Fuck you and your orders. Sorry. No. You, you had time to handcuff a woman. Who, by the way, got her own kids out when you got out of her fucking way. This is not acceptable. But I'm going to show you something that's less acceptable. The solution that the people that supposedly love liberty always banter around when this shit happens. Here it is. This fucking shit. Right here. You think this is a good idea? You are a sick son of a bitch. I am sorry. Uh, we're going to do some brainstorming on ideas, but I'll tell you, this is not a good one. For those that are on the audio only, there's a picture of a combat vet, clearly in like Iraq or Afghanistan, fully kitted up. Looks like a special operator. Helmet on, glasses on, beard. Now you're bearded up like that on the job. You're a special operator or you're a contractor. Who knows? People are not really sticklers for getting that right when they put these pictures together, these memes together. I've seen this meme before. I've seen it years ago. It's not new. It was just as sick then as it is today. Here's what it says. The perfect way to stop school shootings, place three to four armed veterans in every school. There are thousands of unemployed veterans who would love the job of protecting our children. I know you mean well, but this is fucking sick. By the way, one of my changes to my show, I'm going to try to use the F word less, but not today. Because it's called for today, because this is sick shit. If you have an unemployed veteran today, odds are they're dealing with PTSD. We are at a, a time in society where it's the only way you don't have a job right now, as bad as things are, the only way you don't have a job right now is you really don't want one. You really don't want one. I'm not putting down somebody for having PTSD. I'm just acknowledging it. So you want to take guys fresh out of combat that have seen their buddies blown to shit, arm them, and put them in schools. Yeah, what the fuck could go wrong with that, huh? What could go wrong with that? My patriots. What could go wrong with that? Let's think about what this really is, though. It is a mental illness because these are the same people that rightly say the schools are indoctrination centers. Okay, let's lock the kids into the indoctrination centers even harder. You don't think if you put armed veterans, 
tactically trained into the school system and the first time Johnny doesn't do what the hell he's told, that the school's not going to call on them like they call on resource officers now and he's not going to go beat the shit out of Johnny? You don't think that's going to create any problems? And then let's talk about, let's talk about it here. Eric's saying this right now. I, I think this is, this is valid. I'm going to try to like go on the fly. Always in the chats, all caps. I'll star you for later. Uh, but sometimes I may pull you up. He says there's quite a few vets who have jobs that are barely coping. This is what I'm talking about. Hopefully those jobs are not jobs that are going to lead them into a place where it's harder to cope. I think walking around armed all day inside of a school that's basically like a prison, which is where we're going with this next, probably wouldn't help them. You know, it probably wouldn't help them. Because what goes with this is then we should harden our schools, have one way in and one way out. Make sure nobody gets in. You know what? Yeah, that sounds about right. So the school system's been run like a basically minimum security prison with work released at the end of the day for like the last 30 years anyway. Let's just go ahead and add the prison guards. You realize that's what you're talking about, right? The left in this, their pet thing is getting rid of guns. They don't care how, so they will use anything that advances their agenda. Anything. So when kids get killed, well, let's get rid of my guns. And it's deflecting from the issue. The issue is we have a sick-ass system that generates mental illness in children And school shootings have become a thing in people's minds. This really all goes back to Columbine. There were school shootings other and before Columbine. But Columbine was the one where the freaking media made basically folk heroes, not to the public, but in the mind of a sixth individual out of uh, Dylan Cleborn and whatever the other guy's name was. And then this became a thing in the mind of young people who are at the edge of dealing with reality, and over 20,000 young people a year, I don't remember the exact number, so I'm going low, over 20,000 young people a year kill themselves in the, in the range of like 12-year-old through high school age, 12-year-old to 19, because there's 19-year-olds in high school, because our system sucks that bad that many of them don't make it out when you would expect them to. So if you have over 20,000 kids a year killing themselves by various means, from blowing their brains out to jumping off buildings to drowning themselves to suffocating themselves to slitting their wrists to putting a gun in their mouth, some portion of that many people that are suicidal are going to take other people with them when they go. And if you've, I guess, unintentionally glorified it by trying to push your agenda to get rid of guns at any cost by hyping the horror, and then every time it happens, you do it again. This person that's thinking, well, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out like this, and then they're going to talk about me for at least weeks. You have a person that's like, I don't matter, that says even if it's with evil, I will matter. What do you think is going to happen? So the left doesn't want to talk about any of this. They don't want to talk about the psychological issues. You bring up shit like maybe we shouldn't have our children that are programmed this way, you know, 
using first-person shooter games all the time until they don't see another human being as anything other than a target. And those of you that are like, oh, Jack's going to jump on video games. You're damn right I am to some degree. Unlimited, constant. You don't think this is programming? You know what they do when you're in the military? They teach you to shoot at a target that looks like a human being from a distance that has no facial features. And they do this to program you that when you need to fire, you, you set your sights on a human being and you pull the trigger, and when they go down, you put another one down to desensitize you to the idea that you're killing another human being. And they do this because if you're going to be a soldier, you have to think that way. Because if you hesitate, you could die, your buddy could die, your whole unit could get wiped out. But you know what? It's almost like old spy movies or James Bond movies where all the guys who get shot are people you don't know. They dehumanize it so much because it's only a silhouette. What do you think happens? That same dynamic, that same dynamic is now used with first-person shooter games where you see the other person's face and you kill them anyway because it's just an image and it doesn't really matter and it's okay. But you do it for hours and hours and hours. And then I know 99% of people that do that. It doesn't really hurt them, at least as far as we can tell. I'm not sure it doesn't, but it doesn't destroy them. But what about the mentally ill person? Did this kid play video games? I'm not going to say that. I don't know that. What about how many of these kids are on SSRIs and other uh psychological drugs. I'm not going to say this kid was. I think it's a big, a good bet that he was. Almost all of them in the end were. How many of them don't have fathers? How many of them don't have fathers? See, the left doesn't want to talk about any of this, but you know who else doesn't? I'll tell you who else doesn't. Fuckers on the right. You don't want to talk about it either. That's why your solution is to put a guy in kitted up battle rattle at the front door of the school. Right? See, this is bullshit. This is, Troy, I'll give you your, your opportunity to, uh, to contribute your shit when we get to that exercise in a bit. But if you just heard me blame video games, you're exactly the fucking person that I'm talking about that doesn't want to talk about the problem. Did I, did I just blame video games for all of this? No. But I guess I'm going to tell you this about Troy. This is a guess, but I bet you it's going to be right, Troy. Troy's a fucking gamer. Troy loves games. He plays games. He's got his fucking Xbox or whatever the fuck you people play now. And it's his pet thing. So to hear somebody say 1% something negative about it, he has to come out and say, oh, you're just blaming video games. That is a goddamn retarded thing, Troy. And I hope you'll do the self-examination to see what I'm talking about. Andy, thank you for the $10 super chat. I'm going to read your comment with it since you did that. Thank you for doing what you do. Help us think. Help us live a good life, even if times are bad. Help us find freedom. I hope so. That's what I want to do today. Ron Cole Jr. is a gamer, and he disagrees with uh, Troy. I bet. I bet. Because most people, most people that tune into this can think for themselves. If you're thinking for yourself, right, if you're thinking for yourself, then... You don't get all wired up because somebody mentioned that some piece of what you're talking about could be a piece of more uh, of, of the total and that maybe it needs to be addressed. You know, here's another one right here. Green country, and I love green country agriculture. The solution to the problem is simple. Stop violating Second Amendment rights. Dude, you're doing it, whether you know it or not. And at least you're not being retarded about it. 
Because I, I absolutely agree that part of the solution would be if we, if a teacher who under whatever legal status in their state is, whether it's a concealed carry permit, whether it's a constitutional carry uh, state, whatever it is, if that teacher can go to the mall, can go to Walmart, can go to freaking amusement parks and carry their gun, but they can't carry their gun when they're taking care of your children, but they can carry their gun while your children are with them at a playground that's not part of the school system, that's retarded. That's stupid. That makes this problem worse. It absolutely is an aggravating circumstance. But it's not a simple solution. And that's what nobody wants to talk about. There is no simple solution to this shit. This did not address any of the problems I just brought up. Fatherless children. Glorifying the violence. Even if it's inadvertent by the media because they want to push their agenda. Drugging our children. And a hopelessness in our children. And true mental illness that's being addressed with the band-aid of a drug rather than actual counseling to deal with the situation. When you say, well, just put, put armed guards on the schools, lock it down hard and turn it into a full-on prison, or all we have to do is arm the teachers, this will all go away. Because that'll work. Will it stop the kid like this from doing this? Probably not. This was a grade school. How many of those teachers do you think really are suited to take on an armed person assaulting the school? I don't know. Maybe there's a sixth grade teacher in there that's a combat veteran that's got his shit together that could have made a difference. But there's just as, it's just as likely in a school like this that all the teachers would be like, well, I don't want to have a gun. I don't want guns in my school. My sister-in-law, her, her husband's a cop. They're pro second amendment, but, but I don't think guns belong in school. And I asked her, I said, do you think the person that's going to come into your school and shoot students in front of you cares that that's what you think? No good answer. But there is no simple solution. But we do know the primary problem. It's not guns. And it's not that we haven't turned our schools into full prison systems. It's not that every single person that walks in and out of a school is not wanted before they can get into the school, which only creates a buildup of students waiting to get in. So if I'm a shooter now, I have this great big crowd of kids that I can shoot from across the field. Right. That's not the problem. The problem is what is creating these people that do this in the first place? You will never stop all of them. You will never prevent all of them. But can we prevent any of them? I think that primes that enough. I want to show you something else, though, that's going to seem somewhat unrelated to some of you at first. This is a video. And I'll say that if you're listening to the audio of it, you may not fully grasp this one, and it may be worth coming by the notes. I'll have a link in the notes where you can watch this video. It's two minutes long. But the voice you're going to hear is a translator. And what he's translating is what a child is saying. And the child is dressed in, you know, an army helmet with a Ukraine flag on it. And this is in Ukraine. That's why there's a translator. And I'm going to show this to you. And then I'm going to talk to you about not only that it makes me sick, but why it makes me sick. And I mean literally sick to the point where my stomach churns when I watch this. And it might surprise you what the why is. 
We want to become soldiers when we grow up. We'll become army men. We will be making automatic rifles. We already have bazookas, missile machines, even javelins, all wooden. I made all of this by myself, the javelins and even howitzer systems, with a little help. It's interesting to dig trenches. I made these two checkpoints by myself. My friends helped me with the third one. I dug most of the trenches by myself. Valik helped me. We were digging and digging for two days already. Another one of my friends helped me a little, Zhenya. This is interesting and exciting. You feel like everyone knows you. People love you. Putin and his little soldiers should never set their feet in here again. Our Ukrainians already demolished them. I want victory for Ukraine so that it lasts for a long time. I hope Zelensky stays president. He's the best president in the world. He's a bomb. He's the bravest and the coolest president. Okay. Many of you just had your stomach turned. Some of you. Some of you. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop for a second here because I want to, I want to do this right now with, uh, what are you doing in the chat? Okay, dude, what you're doing, I'm going to read what he said. Well, first he said that this kid was part of the lesbian gay bi community, which by the way, wouldn't fucking matter if it was true. And he may be gay. I don't know. But here's what he said. There are pictures of him with long hair holding up an LGBT flag and plenty of pictures of him wearing drag on Instagram. On his Instagram. You don't know that. And the way I know you don't know that is because I know that those pictures are not of that kid. Because before I go saying some stupid shit like that that adds fucking gas to a fire, I fact check it and I keep my mouth shut till I either confirm it or I confirm that it's not true. And I've confirmed that it's not true. And the way I confirmed it is those pictures are, in fact, from somebody's Instagram. And the he, she, z, whatever the person wants to call themselves that made those pictures has since posted more and said, this is me. I'm not him. So maybe you should stop talking shit like that. And maybe you should stop spreading information with no resource whatsoever just because it fits your narrative because that's the shit I'm trying to fix today. And I don't mean to be a dick to you, but my God, I saw those pictures the next day and I said, boy, that really does look like it could be the same person. And then I thought, what are the odds that it's not? That's actually probably pretty high. It's actually probably pretty high. So I did some research, and then I found the person who's actually in the pictures going, here I am, here's my shit, it's not me because I'm here and I'm still around. 
And if you took five seconds to do any research before you just grab something that matches your narrative and start spitting it out there, then this shit wouldn't happen. We do have a disinformation problem from the media, from the government, and from ourselves. I don't want the government and the media policing ourselves, so maybe we should start policing ourselves. We're going to get to that. Now, sorry to get derailed. Sorry to get derailed. But uh that video we just watched, you just heard that young kid. What makes me sick is I found it on Twitter. By the way, it's put out by Reuters. Okay, so if this is not some... uh something somebody pieced together and faked or something. Reuters, probably the biggest distributor to all news outlets, produced that video. I put it up on, I put it up on Odyssey with source links to where it is now because I have a feeling this video, this might all get memory hold. Like, oh, we never did that because that's how bad this is. What makes me sick is so many people on Twitter praising these young children and how great it is and saying things like, I love how loyal to Zelensky he is. Oh, okay. You got your little Ukrainian flag and your logo and you couldn't find Ukraine on a map. Right? You don't know what Ukraine even is or what the word, what the word Ukraine even means, but you, you think you know? Okay. The reason it really makes me sick though, 25 years ago, if you would have shown me that video, I wouldn't have had much of a problem with it. I'm a kid that ran around in camo when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. We used to have toy guns. We used to play army. We used to play, we used to call the gun game, the game guns. And it was like tag. We didn't have paintball and airsoft and shit like that back then. Right. So we would like, if you, if you got your buddy, you'd point at him and say bang. And he'd have to count the, like you run away and he'd count to 10 before he's back in the game. We came up with different ways that we played it versus to capture the flag and all. I had no problem with that. I still don't have a problem with that, but I did join the army when I grew up. I joined the army at 17. But you know what I would have never said back in 1983 when we were doing that, 82? Gee, I, I, I love Ronald Reagan. I, I'm so loyal to Ronald Reagan. I hope he's the coolest president ever. I hope he stays, I hope he stays president forever. And I would have never said, oh, the, I am loved because I do this. This is programming children to become cannon fodder. And looking at it makes me sick. And you don't think there's a link between this shit and what we just talked about with these school shootings? And I also look at it and I feel like, and this is part of why I preserved it on my Odyssey channel. I feel like it's partially staged. Those of you that watched the video, it's a little too dead on it's a little too spot on in the equipment the gear the way everything looks it looks staged which is even sicker by the way it's even sicker we're conditioning our children to devalue life And the other thing we're doing is we're conditioning people, and I'm going to shift here for a second, and then we're going to come back to this. We're conditioning people that things should be free. I know this is going to seem it's like it's different, and it's, it's something I wanted to talk about today, and it's not right in the, the lane of all this, but I think it's all related.
when we make something free, we devalue it. When people don't have to work to acquire a thing, it's not as valuable. And I would tell you this. I bet you if I put together a course, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but let's say it was how to, how to get into Bitcoin, how to buy your first Bitcoin, how to get a wallet, how to use lightning. Like if I put together like a three hour, here's everything that you have to do to take control of your life with Bitcoin. I know it's totally unrelated. That's why I'm using it because I'm trying to make a point. And it could be anything, but let's just say it was that. And I put it up 100% for free, and I marketed it. Hey, you want to take this course. And I didn't even require the payment being that you gave me your email address. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, I want to pause for a second on this. Ian says, I built my own checkpoint. That's a bit scary, isn't it? I was hoping, I hope, I was hoping people would catch that. Well, if we're putting up a checkpoint for Putin and Putin's a bad guy, then it's totally reasonable that we would put up a checkpoint for like your vaccination status or something. I'm, I'm just saying back to what we were talking about though. So I set this course up and I market it, but I don't even charge you an email address exchange for it. I just give it to you. I'm going to bet you, even though there's a massive number of people in this audience that are interested in that. A very small number of people would take it. If I charge 20 bucks for it, I'll probably actually get more people to take it than if I don't. And there's something called a pricing curve in product marketing. And what it, what it shows is if you don't charge enough for a thing, you won't actually sell very much of it. And as you start to charge more, the number of people that buy it, this is like Eco 101, right? You learn this in marketing and economics, et cetera, if you take basic courses in college. This this starts to go up at a real fast curve, and there's a sweet spot on the front side of the curve where I sell a ton. And then if I go higher in price, it plateaus. And then if I hit that plateau, if I keep going in price, it starts to come down the other side slowly, and then it drops off and what's well, just too expensive. And of course, this is affected if someone has a competing product that they sell for less than yours, but they have to hit that pricing curve too. All you can do is pull the curve back with market competition to the sweet spot being a little bit cheaper. That's it. If I charge zero or I charge a dollar, you're like, that's eh, probably not worth anything. 20 bucks, it's probably worth 20 bucks. I charge a hundred bucks for something that's probably in your head worth 20 bucks. You're not going to buy it. Very simple. Well, how does that dynamic play out in society when you have politicians telling people your health care should be free? Anybody with an IQ over 80 who, who won't refuse to use it knows that can't happen. Health care is provided by people like doctors and nurses. Doctors go to school for almost 10 years before or more, like total education is 10 years for the most basic doctor that can practice on his own without somebody else looking over his shoulder. You want to be a surgeon or something, you're looking at more like 14 to 16 years and a massive debt to fund that education. You can't go to that person for free. That's the most illogical thing anybody could ever come up with. So somebody's going to pay for it. But what happens to the value of healthcare in somebody's mind when it's free? Or should be free, even if they have to pay for it. You're actually more irritated now that you have to pay for it because it should be free. 
How many places does that go in society? How much do our children value education? There's, there's kids with a hunger to learn and they're going to value it because they just want to learn. It's not the majority. We know that. But they're going to, the number one thing that will influence how much a child values a thing is how much a parent values a thing. If the parent believes it's free, they devalue it. It's, it's not something you get that's really beneficial. It's something you're entitled to. So you have a whole bunch of entitled children today. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. You're the children of entitled parents who are at this point in society, the children of child of, of entitled child, adult children themselves. The grandparents are entitled. The parents are entitled. The children's are entitled in their mindset because of free. And I think if you're building a business, this is important to understand because if you price your shit too low, it won't be valued by your customers. But I think if you're trying to fix problems, we need to think about the fact that maybe things shouldn't be free. Maybe there should be some skin in the game for anything that matters, from issuing an opinion to owning a gun to having a home. Maybe it doesn't mean that we have to charge so much money that only the rich people can afford something, but maybe there has to be some consideration tendered by the person receiving the thing for anything that is received. I, I, I've seen even I've even seen attempts by the state to make this work where. There's people that have free housing, but it's really not free. They're $29 a month or something. There has to be some money, something that the person puts into it or they won't value it at all. How many people have seen this? How many people have given a child a thing and watched the child abuse the thing, found the thing laying out in the middle of the yard or what have you? Why? They have no skin in the game. I don't want to take away birthdays from kids and shit, but I, I, I am kind of at the point now where like nothing my grandchildren want shall they receive without putting up some consideration themselves for it to learn that. Maybe if we did more of that, we'd have less problems. Maybe we'd even have less, dare I say, school shootings and mentally ill people out there. Maybe. I don't know. I don't claim to know these things. So my next question for you. Can we as gun owners, this is where some of you are going to start shouting at me like some of you already did. Can we as gun owners and lovers of freedom create our own system to improve gun safety? And this is where I also want to talk about how we did this when we're determining how does this company that we're all part of build this next product or take this next product to market or decide how we change our incentive compensation program for our salespeople or whatever thing the company needed to do. We'd get all the stakeholders and all the people that we thought might have insights. So maybe they don't even get a vote, but we'd give them a voice, which can be more important than a vote. All right. And we'd get in a room and we would explain the problem until the light bulb went on in every head. We could get it to go on. And honestly, we'd find if you couldn't get a light bulb to go on in somebody's head to actually understand the issue, you'd find a reason for them to no longer be part of the meeting. So we want light bulbs over everybody's head. We got light bulb over everybody's head. Okay. We get somebody that can write better than me, right? I'm fine with leading things. I write like shit. So you get somebody with good handwriting. Bill, get up there and you write all these things on the, on the whiteboard. Okay. I want everybody with any idea at all, the second the idea occurs in your head, spit it out even if you think it's stupid. Nobody is allowed to say that anybody's idea 
is stupid. And Bill, when you write the idea on the board, do not write down who said the idea. And everybody just go. Don't stick your hand. Like we can't have people over talking each other. Okay. But you stick your hand up. I point at you. You spit out your idea. If you think Tom's idea is stupid, you don't say Tom's idea is stupid. You give a better idea or you shut up. Or if you think Tom's idea could work, you're allowed to take the idea and add to it. And we'll put another lineup on the board of how. But you're not even allowed to use Tom's name. You only discuss the idea. That's all you get to do. And you don't even discuss it. You're just right now, we're just throwing it on the board. And we're going to go until that freaking board is full. And it's a wall-sized board. Everybody go now. Who's got an idea? Boom, bam, boom, bam. Just don't go too fast so Bill gets time to write it down. Okay, we got a bunch of ideas up there. Buddy, calm down. This actually actually is usually a time that we would say, you know, we're going to take like a five-minute coffee break. Go fill your coffee cups up. By the way, if you're not sitting your ass in your seat with your mouth shut, this is actually what I used to do. If you're not in your seat with your mouth shut in five minutes from right now, you're fired. And don't think I won't do it. Go. Take a piss, get your coffee, do whatever. Otherwise, you deal with blah, 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 blah going on. I actually want everybody to go away and not talk to each other at this moment. All right? I want everybody to go away, and I want them in their head with whatever idea stuck in their head. I want them in self-dialogue mode. That's why I give them very little time, but I want everybody to take a break. And I want everybody sitting down like kids in a classroom with their hands folded and their mouths closed. Now what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the ideas on the board. It's no longer Bill or Sue's or Tammy's idea. It's just an idea. What do we think of idea number one? All right? And then I need somebody to play secretary. And everything we like about idea number one, we need to write that down, and we're going to erase the ideas as we go. And we're going to go through all those ideas, and then we're going to take that whoever played secretary, go up to the board, and let's write down a new list. And let's work through that list again. Do you know why you do this? Because everybody now feels, especially if they've been through it once, oh, shit, I can talk, and no one's going to ridicule me. And another instruction that's given is once you throw out your idea, you have to release emotional attachment to it. Any critique of the idea cannot be a critique of you because we're not allowing it. So you can't take it personally that everybody ends up deciding your idea actually is stupid and has no value. But we'll never. But the same person that gives a stupid idea with no value may – Five minutes into this exercise, give the best idea that comes up because they weren't shut down when they gave the stupid idea and the mind was allowed to work. The reason you do this, when you have a problem, you cannot claim the existing solutions are working. And anybody who now is going to try to defend the existing solutions exclusively has nothing to contribute to the problem being solved. Because if the existing solutions worked, we wouldn't be having this meeting or this discussion. You see how simple that is? So when people are like, all we have to do is blah, 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 same shit we've been doing, pass more gun laws. Okay, there's 20,000 of them, those didn't work, and I'm pretty sure this guy broke some laws. Blah, 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 Second Amendment. Okay, well, there are armed people, and it still didn't work, so maybe there's more than that to this. 
by the way, this is one of the most pro-Second Amendment states in the country, and I know you'd be spouting off about how if people had guns in that state, if this had happened in New York like it did a couple weeks ago, but now it just happened right here. So that solution didn't work either. So my question for you guys, and you're free to throw them out. See, here we go. Holtz, I don't know if you missed the earlier discussion. Lock the doors. If you're talking about the meeting, yeah, okay. If you're talking about the schools, lock the doors. Great, yeah, now there's a fire. We have one way out. Everybody dies. Good job. You killed everybody, right? I know I'm not supposed to do that. I'm just kind of saying, like, we can't oversimplify the answer. But now go ahead. I won't pick on anybody else. Put your solutions in the chat. Maybe somebody will play secretary for us, and we'll do this next week or something where somebody can go through and see all the solutions. I want you to do this for me. If you're proposing a solution, type solution in all caps, dash, and then your solution in, in the chat. I'm not going to comment on any of them today. We're going to roll through so I don't break my own rules here. It, it's hard when you have the ability to be a complete dictator of the conversation. I don't want to do that, right? Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about that. And just throw anything in there, but put solution in your idea, folks. If you don't put solution, whoever plays secretary will not be able to find it easily. Even if you've already done it, solution in all caps, dash, insert your solution, your idea here. Let me throw you out an idea, though. I, I would doubt that all but the most myopic and blind people in our, our side of this debate that are for freedom, liberty, and the right to own and a gun and defend yourself and your family with it would agree that if we can prevent people who really shouldn't have a gun from having one, or at least make it more difficult, or at least make it more known that this person now has a gun and kind of, hey, the people around them know it, if we can do that without interfering with the average everyday person's ability to purchase a gun, own a gun, have a gun, etc., make their own gun, anything, then that would be good. That that would be good. Like the person that says, no... I don't care if you've written a thousand times, I plan to kill everybody. You should still be able to own a gun because you didn't actually kill anybody yet. I, I'm not going to even bother with that person today. Could the gun community, because I do not trust the government to do this before anybody starts their shit. Could the gun community come up with something that gun shops and private sellers even could voluntarily use to eval a potential person you're selling a weapon to? Because I want you to think about it this way. You are a gun shop owner. You own a gun shop. You believe in the Second Amendment more than I do. You believe, like like I do, the Second Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with your right to own a weapon. It just prevents the government from interfering. You believe the right to self-protection and the ownership of personal property, if you don't harm anybody else, is inherent and obvious and should never be fucked with. Guy walks into your shop and he's like, so look, man. I need a gun where I can kill as many people as fast as possible. I need the right ammo to make sure that my injuries that I cause are immediate and effective. I want to kill as many people as I can, as quick as I can. I need some body armor to go with it, and I'm really freaking pissed off at insert something here. Are you selling him a gun? If you are, please stop using oxygen and let people that are intelligent have the oxygen. Just Just hold your breath until you pass out. Maybe that'll give you some, you'll wake back up, you'll be okay. Maybe it'll give you some time to think. I don't know. I think most people would be like, uh-uh. And I've never talked to anybody that owns a gun shop and had this discussion and said, is there ever been a person trying to buy a gun and you were like, I refuse to sell you a gun? Every gun shop owner I've ever had this conversation with have said absolutely yes. 
there were people that there was something not right in that moment, and I exercised my personal right as a shop owner to not do business with that person, right? So what if there was a way that you made that a little bit easier for people to understand? And I'm, this is where I'm going to start throwing out ideas, and some of them might be stupid. But one thing might be, again, government cannot have this. This cannot be for government. Now, if you say, well, government will co-opt it and do it too, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. They're also really slow and not very good at what they do. So we have a chance to move faster, right? Maybe there is a system whereby I want to go buy a gun and before, and this is voluntary and a shop owner doesn't have to do it. Maybe there's two people that say, okay, this dude's not nuts. And just like you go and you get a legal document signed and there's like two people that sign it with witnesses and they notarize it. Maybe there's something like that. Maybe there's some way that the people that know you vouch for you. And again, it would have to be voluntary. It can't go into the, the state's hands. Because if you let the state have it, this is why people out there that look at us and they think we're evil because we won't allow any common sense gun regulations. We know the second there's a system whereby you can just shut off the ability of an individual to own a gun, it will be abused. We know this. We know that when Jack Spirico gets on and has a discussion like this, which is very level-headed, by the way, I think, I've threatened violence on nobody. He'll say, oh, he's crazy. Turn off his gun permit. We know that will happen. So it cannot be. It cannot be a solution if the government does it. But what if you got into a situation where shop owners looked at whatever program you came up with, not me, and said, you know what, that's perfectly reasonable. I'm actually very comfortable with that. And they put up, we use blah, 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 private system. Because this is anarchy. This is what anarchy looks like. I think there's a lot of people out there, when we as anarchists and libertarians and voluntarists and agorists say, we are not for no rules, just no rulers, they don't believe us. And again, folks with solutions keep doing what anarcho-agorists just did. Solution, all caps, dash. I want somebody to play, um, come back into the chat and play uh, secretary for me and, and come up with all these and see if we can have a discussion later about this. Um, but this is what we really mean, and they think we don't. And I think a lot of you guys that are kind of right-leaning, small-l libertarians, but you're really still Republicans or conservatives or constitutional conservatives or whatever, you don't believe us either. And you're paying lip service to what you think is our lip service. Anarchists do not for one minute think that there should be no rules. Not for one real anarchist. You can't even get here with your mind. And, and this is why people go, well, I don't understand how it would work because you haven't gotten here. You can't get to this place and be an anarchist without understanding. Oh, there'd have to be basically jurisdictions that are private jurisdictions. And maybe there's a private jurisdiction called Jackistan because Jack eventually gets to the point where he's ready to do Jackistan and Jack buys a freaking county. And Jack decides through policy, not individually, I can't individually approve and disapprove everybody that comes in, but Jack with his advisors decide what you have to do to do business in Jackistan. And maybe in Jackistan, if you want to walk around with a loaded AK-47 on your back, and a freaking hand solo blaster on your hip, no one will give you any shit. 
But maybe there's something you have to do before you're allowed to bring your weapons into Jakistan. And maybe if you want to bring your weapons into Jakistan, you have to do things that somebody that doesn't want to own a weapon in Jakistan doesn't have to do. Because you are not going to harm somebody with a weapon because you don't have one. So maybe I need somebody to vouch for you and say, this guy's not mentally unstable. Now, how do I know that that, that vouching system works? I don't know. I guess the person that comes up with the best, best system for it will be the one the market decides to use most. Maybe there's like Bill a stand down the road and Bill's like, I'm a purist. You want to, you want to bring a nuclear weapon in. It's okay. Whatever you want to do. Okay. You, you, and maybe that's what Bill does. I don't think Bill's place will last very long. And maybe, maybe Susie down the road. You know, concerned Susan, she says, guns are evil. There will be no guns in Susan land. That's fine. I don't have to go to Susan land and you can't make me stay. If I change my mind, I'm like, Susan land sucks. And, 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 and Bill Stan or Thomas Stan or whatever it was that I said had that got to this complete unfettered anything sucks. Jackistan looks pretty cool. I want to go to Jackistan. That's anarchy. And that's why the original version of the United States was very much in some ways an anarchy because the constitution, honestly, the articles of confederation, the first version were this very loose agreement that we all work together. I have a chicken trying to get in my window. Anyway, we all work together and we provide for common defense and you can go between our borders unimpeded. However, Pennsylvania decides the way things are going to be in Pennsylvania. And that, that made this entire idea of a republic really work. And then under the first constitution, or the current constitution, when we let that go, it was weakened somewhat, but it was still very much the case to the point where people literally that were wanted for a crime simply went to another state. And as long as they didn't go back to the first state, unless they hired a bounty hunter or something, they never dealt with the crime. I mean, that's how purist the jurisdictional lines were. So when I give you an idea, I'm doing as an anarchist, but here's the last part of this today. Are we really going to build a parallel economy? Are we really going to build parallel systems? Or are we just going to sit around and talk about it? You know, are we going to pay lip service to the lip service? This idea that one day there'll be a solution. I, I bet you there's somebody even just, just in the live audience. There's like 250 people-ish here right now. Number goes up, number goes down, but in that 250 range. There's someone here right now that has all the freaking capability to build a system like this right now. And maybe your system will suck, but maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. I don't know. You should do it. You should do it. You should try it. You should get some people together, and you should start building a system that a shop owner – Or a private seller can use. Maybe your system says there has to be X amount of training time. I don't want the government doing that because then the government dictates the training. What is the training? What is, now I don't, I don't trust government to do this. I trust people to do it. And I don't even trust, you know, Eric's here, Eric or Packrat or Green Country Acres or Five by Five Apparel. I don't trust any of you to get it right individually. I trust that if people try, that over time, market adaptation will give us a reasonable solution that people can choose to use. I trust that. 
And imagine a system where somebody pays as a shop owner a couple hundred bucks a year for access to it, and as a private seller, you pay ten bucks a year. I don't know, something to help the system work. And it says, okay, when somebody comes to you and wants to buy a gun, you want to, you want reasonable assurances that you're not selling it to a psychopath. You can use this system. And if you don't want to use it, you don't have to. If you've known Bill your whole life, there's no need for you to use this system. But if you, if you don't know Bill, if you've exercised your right as a private citizen to sell your gun on Craigslist, And this bill guy says, I'm not a felon, I'm not this, I didn't do this. And even if you think felonies are okay, as long as they're nonviolent, it would be good for you to know you're breaking the law and choose to do it rather than, you know, do it because you didn't know, because that doesn't work as a good defense. <clears throat> I think there's a solution to this. But we have to build all these systems. I'll tell you the one place we've done it is homeschool. And it's because we're not in denial of reality with homeschool. So I homeschool my grandchildren My wife, I should always say my wife homeschools our grandchildren. She does the work. We use Acellus, Acellus Academy. It creates for our grandchildren a transcript that when you hand it to a college for admissions, looks no different and is no different than any other school and high school system in America today. It is an accredited institution parallel to the accreditation system. It actually is in the system while being parallel. It's Venn diagram overlap. Sue Lapreze and Mike Lapreze used to be on our expert council. <clears throat> they roll their own curriculum. They take pieces, parts from multi-curriculums. They create their own curriculum, and it's regimented, but it is by their own decision what their children study. They make their own transcript, which works the same way. I know people that do unschooling. I know families that have figured out that their ch that child one does great with structure. Child two does terrible. Child two is mostly in a unschooled environment. Child one is in a rigored, controlled environment like a Cellus or the Ron Paul curriculum or something like that. And both child, children thrive. But what it does, the homeschool environment works on the edge of the state system so that when that child is done with their learning, they can still go to trade school. They can go to the military. They can go to university. They can go create their own business. It's not in denial of the other system. And we try to make systems that are in denial of the other system. We can learn from the homeschool industry here. Just some thoughts on that. And I think if we're going to build these systems, we need to, like, I don't care if it's economics with Bitcoin, right? That's why I like Lightning, because you can send dollars across Lightning effectively. So it actually can disrupt and it can even kill legacy payment systems Because it still lets the person on the other end choose what they receive. Where if we just are purists and say, Bitcoin or nothing, or crypto or nothing, or whatever shit coin you like or nothing, you will never change things that way. Parallel is not in denial of. It has to at some point have an edge interface because all abundance is on the edge, guys and gals. So are we going to come up with these solutions or not? And if somebody would play... Secretary for me on this, and it takes a while after the show goes published and the live ends for the ch chat replay to be there. If somebody would go through and document all those solutions, I'd really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to say before you do it, unless you're doing it on the fly, email me and make sure somebody else isn't doing it. So two people, three people, four people aren't doing the same work. 
Just email me with TSPC secretary in the subject line. And once somebody says I'm doing it, if you email me, it'll be like somebody's already doing it because we don't need to duplicate work. That's a good idea as well. But are we going to do this or are we going to play lift service to it? Real quick at the end, I want to talk about a potential change to TSPC. Don't get scared. It's not, it's not a scary change. It's not a huge change. I know that right now, when I just said the word Bitcoin, there's a percentage of people that heard it either in the live stream or later in the audio that just went, oh, geez, here he goes again. And I also don't want to stop talking about it. And I've had people suggest, why don't you do a Bitcoin podcast? I don't know that that's in of itself a solution. I love what I do, guys. And I've always said, if you love what you do, money doesn't matter as long as money is sufficient and you'll keep doing it. I believe right now I could go to a three-show-a-week schedule, and I might make a little bit less money but not a lot, that I wouldn't really hurt myself if I went to three shows a week. I did an outback, an expert panel, and an interview every week. I would probably be fine, but I don't do it because I can't stop doing this. I can't stop teaching. I can't stop serving you. I can't stop bringing my passion to you. However, I think that my show's going two hours is a mistake. I think it hurts the overall reach, and I want to stop that. So somebody suggested recently, I have several, why don't you start doing two short shows a day, breaking things apart? I'm like, you guys don't understand that doing two short shows is a hell of a lot more work than doing one long one. And I, I, I will not quit putting out the content in the frequency that I do, but I also have grandchildren and a wife and a farm and a life to live. And I've been doing this a long time. And I'm, I'm also at like, this is what I can do. And I want to talk about this other thing. And I know that there is a portion of this audience that doesn't give a flaming damn about Bitcoin, lightning, any of this stuff. I think it's a mistake, but it's your right. I'm for freedom. I think there's a portion of this audience that loves that more than anything else I talk about. And there's a portion that what they want is really in the scope of entrepreneurship, home management, homesteading, permaculture, food storage, core survival stuff. And again, there's a group that likes both sides of it. And I know for that person that, let's say, doesn't like the Bitcoin stuff, when it's a variety show like an Outback show and a third of the topics have to do with that, you're like... I have to slog through this or fast forward through this to hear the other shit that I actually like. So what I'm thinking about doing is siloing the Bitcoin stuff and maybe even having it be its own podcast, but still in the survival podcast feed, like the lightning show or the Bitcoin survival show or something like that. But yet, just like Outback with Jack has kind of become a thing with NTSP, it would stay there. So that would mean that whole episode is primarily at least dedicated to crypto, Bitcoin, Lightning. And that would mean that if you're choosing how much podcast you listen to to a week, so I'm sure most of you, most people in my audience don't listen to every show anyway. If you're a non-crypto person, you just go, nope, not into it. You are, you're into it. And if you're into it because I talk about this, but not as much for things like permaculture and all, then you have your own little silo as well. Now, the reason I would think about also breaking it out to its own podcast, I could do it with very little extra work. It would have its own site. It would be in two feeds. It would be in the TSP feed 
and it would be in the new podcast feed because I don't want to completely split the brand. I don't want to have to rebuild. I've got over 200,000 subs in the various podcast streams out there. And to start at zero only seems like a bad idea. But it would also give you guys the opportunity to do that. And the other thing that it would do, it would let me book guests who still get access to TSP as far as the installed base of the audience, but yet I can present them with something that's pristine and in their world. It's just a thought. It's just an idea. And I'm wondering what you guys think about it. And I may be getting to a point soon where I need to hire an assistant, maybe somebody that works like an hour a day or something just to do some of the technical shit. All the stuff people always want to do is stuff that it would take more work for me to hire somebody to do than to keep doing it. Like people, I can edit your show for you. Dude, I can edit your, I can edit my show way faster than I can get you the material for you to edit my show. I, I spend, I always, I find it interesting. How much editing do you think I do? Like when I say something stupid, I just leave it in. I just live with the fact I said something stupid. Like literally my editing is file, Vegas, front, back, render, upload. That's it. Right. So like the stuff people want to do is never what really needs doing. It would be things like, okay, so we, I'd make the episode and you transpose it over to the other side, something like that, because it's not a lot of work, but it's another thing for me to do anyway, that. And then the other thing I want to do, you'll notice that we're at 108 and this is like an ad hoc thing on the end and we're almost done. This is my target from now on. I'm going to stop doing these 14 bullet point episodes and go down to six or seven and I'm also going to kind of maybe start running a timer like that I can see that you can't that says, okay, you, you, you know, if you didn't say everything you wanted to, you need to cover this topic again elsewhere. You need to move on. Uh, then one more thing. I might push the guest spot into the Bitcoin survival spot for the week and flip dates around, but I will not have guest day exclude Bitcoin crypto people. I'm not going to do that. And even though I just said I'm going to shorten the show, my interview with Brian Harrington this week on Wednesday went almost two hours. I will not cut the interview short. When I'm doing an interview, Bitcoin or not, I'll go into Joe Rogan mode that day. I'm not going to shorten those shows. And the reason is when you get a guest and you have flow like that, I think ending it just because the time limit's up, It, it's a mistake because the whole point of podcasting is I don't have some program director going, we're coming up on music, Jack. We need to cut the guest like short or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, we'll get back to you later. And you never are like the fact that you can have that kind of Rogan level conversation with somebody. I don't ever want to give that up. So I'm thinking four short shows a week and one that may or may not be short. And when I say short, I mean an hour, right? Let's hit some of your comments that I start. I'm sure I missed some in this one. Um, Packrat says, we defend our children with a sign that says this is a gun-free zone and call for someone with a gun if there's an emergency. I agree with that. And Guys, I hope you understand today when I'm talking about, like, the righteous saying, just put guns in the schools and then we'll be okay. Like, and I could criticize that. I'm not saying it's not a piece of a solution. What I'm saying is we oversimplify the solution. Um, and that Green Country Acres, I think I commented on this, the solution to the problem is simple. Stop violating Second Amendment rights. No, a portion of the solution is simple. Stop violating people's rights to defend themselves and others. I don't even care if it's called Second Amendment. I don't care. 
I think that is a portion of a solution. We all remember the shooting at a church that happened here in Texas about a year and a half, two years ago, where an elderly gentleman headshot the guy with the shotgun in seconds after he started shooting. That man also killed three people. So the the pro-gun crowd held this up as an example of how great it is. Three people, four people died. What caused that man to go over the edge and take a shotgun into a church and kill people? Making guns illegal won't fix that. But just making guns easier to carry, because in that church it turned out there was like, a third of the people that were members of that church were carrying and armed when that happened. And a testimony to how responsible citizens are good as gun carriers, nobody else got hurt. Like, we didn't end up with like 80 people shooting at each other like they always say is going to happen, right? It was a very disciplined response. It was also tragic. It was also tragic. Next, David says, I read this morning that police blocked at least one parent that was armed from going in to rescue the child. They restrained her and waited more than an hour before they went in. It's infuriating. It is infuriating. And my get, like I said, my guess is there were probably multiple parents there that were armed. I do want to mitigate something for the police with this. Had the police stacked up and were going in and left some officers outside, and those officers said, you can't go in and interfere, we're engaging, I would agree with that. If you have a trained, like if you are a trained response team, or even if you're not a trained response team, but you're a trained responder, um, okay. No, this is breaking stuff. My wife just brought me on her phone. We don't, I don't know if this is true or not yet. I just want to, I am reading it. It's on Todd Starnes. I don't know that source at all, but it says breaking. Congressman says Texas gunman was arrested four years ago. Over school threat. I think it's highly probable that that occurred. I'm not saying it's confirmed. I don't do that. Thank you, honey. I don't know. You're not sorry. You did good. Thank you. I, I don't do that. I'm not going to confirm this, but I'm going to say that's being reported right now and it's possible. And it's another example of the system failing. So how we can sit here and bitch and say, well, they knew about this guy. Law enforcement had connections with him. Well, what's your solution then? Every time law enforcement has a contact with you, they can take away your gun. Or your right to own a gun? What can we do there? I don't know. I'm not pretending I do. Um, but yeah, if the, if the police had been going in and said, no, you can't go in because we're going in, I would have been like, yes. Because even if you're not a trained team, you have officers who are trained in tactics. They use the same language, the same hand signals, et cetera, hopefully, right? They know how to do this and you, it's a weird thing, but if you give me five guys that served in the U.S. Army that are not idiots, even if they were not infantry, and, and, and they're not where they've forgotten everything they knew, and you put us in an airsoft scenario against people that have never done that before, we will eat their lunch, right? Because we know how to maneuver with each other already, and very quickly – it looks like a team that trained together because you have common training. That would have been, that's not what happened though, is it? And so I don't know if that particular person was armed and I don't know that she could have done anything, but I think it's probable that anywhere. Uh, Eric says, how many of those female teachers have a gun to defend their body from 
predatory men yet can't defend students too. That's possible. I don't know. I know that in that demographic, as much as we'd like to believe that our teachers would be heroes that don't wear capes and carry their guns and are strapped, and because it's Texas, many of them are armed, I know that that demographic has less gun owners than the average aggregate, let alone another demographic. Like, if you ask me uh, how many females that are truck drivers own a gun, I'm going to tell you that demographic, that cohort is pretty high. Right. I, I, I think that the number of teachers, men and women both, but probably skewed toward men more, they do, ha- that do carry that female teachers are probably one of the smallest cohort demographics of people that carry guns. And that I'll tell you that I know at least two that do own guns that do carry outside the school and are still opposed to carrying in the school because of the programming that they've undergone. So, I mean, I think that, like, this solution is multifaceted. Another is we need to make it easier for parents to not send their kids to state and government schools. Right? Because this kid's a product of that school system. Have you ever asked yourself why these kids choose schools beyond just kind of the uh, the going out of blaze of glory, glory thing? Here's an example of lying with statistics, right? So, a few years ago, I examined some of the statistics about the number of school shootings because I'm like, That can't be right. The way they, the way they salvolate every time there is a school shooting, there's no way there's this many school shootings. So what are they calling a school shooting? And it turned out that, for instance, if two gangbangers exchanged gunfire with each other, not in the school, but within the gun-free zone around the school, it was labeled a school shooting. It turned out that one of the school shootings was a detention officer at a detention facility for juvenile detention who shot himself in the leg by accident while serving as this, you know, officer on duty during the school at J- at the juvenile detention facility. That was labeled a school shooting, as, as retarded as that is. But here was one that was really tragic. Guy in his 30s drives to the high school that he went to, sits in the parking lot, takes a gun, puts it in his mouth, blows his head off in his car. They called it a school shooting. It's absolutely ridiculous, I agree. But what does it say about how that person felt about school? Why would he go there? Why wouldn't he do it in his own house? Why wouldn't he go to a cemetery? Why would I mean, just pick a place. Why of all the places he could have went at a moment when you literally don't care what anybody else wants because... It's, you're going to have no consequence, at least in this life, for what you're about to do. He chose a school. It had to be a source of amazing pain. That's the only reason you would do that. Uh, 229 Mix says, when I was a kid, they were still caught gun safety in school. Now they just teach kids to be scared of guns. wonder why government would want kids scared rather than safe. I agree. I don't know that it helps solve the problem. But it also does maybe identify part of the problem. Since I... This horrible person that's going to kill my fellow students or kids in a school that are younger than me, whatever I'm going to do. And I know they're scared of guns. I know I have compliance. I know I have compliance. So my predatory instinct leads toward victimhood. And having children scared of guns means it's an ideal situation for a sick person to capitalize on. Because I'm going to get 
just cowering compliance, which means I can just shoot stationary targets. Where if children understand guns and understand the limits of a person with a gun, I agree, run, hide, but what's the last one, folks? Fight. And I know in this situation, you're talking about little bitty kids, but what about teachers? What about teachers? I don't know. I, I don't think that helps this one, but maybe it helps some. Uh, now everything is UL certified, but voluntary. That's an interesting point. UL certification basically says when I plug this thing into my wall, it's not going to start a fire on my house. But whether or not it's used and whether or not the consumer values it is totally up to consumer. But there are distribution channels that are like, we're not selling your shit unless you're UL certified. We don't, I don't, you know, Fry's Electronics doesn't want to get sued because Bill bought a toaster from Fry's that wasn't UL certified and the toaster burned down Bill's house. With UL certification, even if the toaster does burn down Bill's house, Fry's Electronics is like, it was UL certified. Kind of thing I'm talking about. And I don't know what's as easy or clear cut, but it's something that we can work on. Um, Opt3MD says the underwriters laboratory was an independent effort to make electricity safe begun in the 1880s. Okay. So think about why that happened. There was almost no regulation in the 1880s. Instead of going to the government saying, government, please fix it, which is always bad. Industry created its own solution. Interesting. And it was probably also to gain consumer uh, confidence, right? Because people were afraid of electricity in the beginning. Uh, Sarah says government is where the issues have started. No, I don't agree. I am all for beating up on and blaming government. That chicken's still trying to get in my window. I don't know what her deal is. Um, government is, a, is an aggravator of issues, and they are the cause of many problems. Not all the issues are from government. There's a lot of shit in our own lives. This is my case for anarchism. We choose what we're going to do with them every day. I don't believe everything on this can be blamed on government. Some of it's society in general and some of it's individual. Eric says, hard part is letting go of methods that don't work and moving to something new. That's the problem with the current government. That's the problem with everything. We to define what we want, we identify the piece of the current system that protects that thing, and then we defend it, which is not in of itself bad, but when you defend it to the absence of logic, it becomes a problem. Tom says there's a difference between being technical competent and being mentally stable enough to be trusted with a gun. I agree with that. I, and I think that's a hard thing for our side to acknowledge. But there are people that mentally probably should not own a firearm. I also think a lot, many of those people probably shouldn't have access to drive a vehicle either. But I cannot see a situation where the government has the power to enforce that. And it's not abused because every power the government has, it abuses. So if we don't build our own solutions, right, if we don't build our own solutions. Have you ever noticed like everybody, let's think about totally different fact-checking sites. Snopes, et cetera, right? Like, they're all leftists. Okay, so where's your true third-party independent fact-checking site? Maybe I, I, maybe I'm picking on something that's not a thing. Maybe there is a true, non-agenda-driven fact-checking site. Maybe that exists. That's run by people that are completely based on logic and reason and will totally say 
that even the side they do side with is wrong in this case. I like to believe TSP is a fact-checking entity at times, but only for the things I'm interested in. So instead of bitching about PolitiFact or Snoops or something, why don't you build one that's not like GabFacts or something where it's completely driven by the alt-right or some shit, where it actually is a fact-checking site? Is anybody seriously going to tell me disinformation isn't a problem? And you can yell and scream that the government is the largest purveyor of disinformation enabled by big tech. And I will object to not a word you've said. But what about all the disinformation that comes from, quote, unquote, our side? What about the disinformation we had right here? That kid, he dresses in a dress and he has a gay flag and there's pictures of him from his Instagram. Completely false. Who fact checks that? If you want to point to the other side and show where they're wrong, then you better be prepared to do it right. Uh, Christopher says, lesson from Canada. Have a firearm license. You must pass private safety course and have all adults that live in your home be notified you're applying. An ex-spouse may also be, must also be notified. I hate that if the government has anything to do with it. And the ex-spouse, I understand where you're coming from. But how many people who have ex-spouses have ex-spouses that are complete fucking bitches to them? And when I use bitch, I don't use it as a feminine. I just use it as a word, right? Because it can be the guy, right, that's the bitch. Like, how many people are in divorced relationships where if the person on the other side can do something to fuck with you, they will? But what if we had a system that was more along the lines of just as, because my ex-spouse not wanting me to do something, I don't think that should have any effect. Like ex-spouse, right? This is part of the problem with family court system. I believe that when you and I divorce, every obligation that I ever had to you should be terminated right there. No spouse support, alimony, bullshit. If there's some shared property that needs to be divided, it is divided and go screw Now, if we have children and I'm responsible for my children, I think that's very poorly done in our system. But I think there should be some I should be accountable for my children. I I, I get that. But you and me, we're done. So your opinion doesn't get to matter. Right now, if I if I'm on record as having beat the shit out of you repeatedly, you shouldn't need your opinion to say, hey, 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 big red flag here. Big red flag. This is probably this guy like, you know, if it's in that. But is it real? How many people here at least know somebody that has been reported for things like domestic violence, et cetera, and uh, find out that, like, it didn't happen? Our system is rigged. But if we're going to complain about a rigged system, we have to build a better one. So um, Hit'em20 gave me a 969 Super Chat. I'm wondering if that's a... Uh, specific number for a reason. It's an oddball number. I just noticed oddball number. Thank you for it. I'm not like, you're cheap, man. Where's my other freaking 44 cents or 34 cents right now? I don't mean it that way. Just like, you know, like th- there's numbers that mean a thing. So I'm wondering if that number means a thing to him. If it does, let me know. Uh, I am going to, uh, to, to, to end here today and, and, and shut down. So we go short an hour and a half. Uh, I really do want to start shooting for about an hour for most shows. Uh, this one went into a lot of shit and I wanted to be heard and I wanted, uh, I wanted everybody to have a chance to, to say things and I wanted to answer you guys. I'm interested. You can email me if you want to about changes to the show 
and what you guys think of having kind of a Bitcoin breakout day. And by the way, it would be every week. I know some of y'all really don't want to hear it, and I, I want to make it easy for you not to hear it. But what I will not do is shut up about it because I think it is one of the most impactful things that's going to affect your life, whether you want it to or not. It's one of those, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you believe in it, it believes in you type of things. And so I want to do that. I want to pull back on these two-hour episodes except for the interviews. And I want to challenge everybody out there. None of us are going to be able to come up with all the parallel systems. But many of us can come up with a version of a parallel system. And many of us can contribute to a version of a parallel system by working together. And I, I really feel like we are either going to do this or we're going to lose. You know, one of the most popular hashtags on the social media site, Gab, is parallel economy. When I click on it, I don't see any parallel economy. I see a bunch of bullshit and people gaming a popular hashtag. A parallel economy is you selling plants out of your backyard, but how? How is what makes it a parallel economy? Plenty of people do it. It's not parallel. Working together is a start, but how we work together. But how we work together is the key. And we have problems. And government aggravates the problems, and government leverages the problems, and government uses the problems to divide us. But removing government in of itself, in its form of the state, won't fix everything. If you've ever thought that that's what, what I as an anarchist and my fellow anarchists believe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't explain it well enough. We don't believe that at all. We believe that there are things that can be trusted, like mathematics can be trusted, and that no man can be trusted. The most trustworthy person you know cannot be trusted because they are they are fallible. They can be wrong. They can make a mistake. I even say on this show, I reserve the right to be wrong because I am aware of my own fallibility. I may have been wrong today. Maybe I was fooled. Maybe those pictures of that person saying I'm the person are the fakes. I doubt it, but it's possible. It's always possible to be wrong. So what we need are systems And we need systems within systems that compete with each other, not so that we can arrive at the perfect place, but we can find the best available solution that we have at the current time with the least interference of the right and freedoms of our fellow man. With that, has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. You pull yourself up, they keep bringing you down. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay.